Hi, and welcome to the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. I'm Reverend Jacob Hero Shaw, Senior Pastor of MCC Tampa. In this podcast, you'll hear the readings and sermon from this week's service. If you'd like to view the entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. The link to that can be found in the program notes. Thanks. Good morning. I'm Charles Clay, and today's first scripture reading is from Thessalonians. To the Church of the Thessalonians, in God the Sovereign and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers constantly, remembering before God your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, beloved by God, that God has chosen you, because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of person we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For in spite of persecution, you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for God's Son from heaven, whom God raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. Good morning, my name is Alan Hero Shaw, and today's second scripture reading is from the Gospel of Matthew. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this? And whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. 
and they left him and went away. Will you join me in prayer, please? Loving God, we thank you for all of the ways that you move in and through us. Help us, God, to open our hearts to your message, to your love at this time. Amen. Our first reading that we heard this morning was Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. This letter is believed to be one of the oldest of the writings in the New Testament. And it's, uh, as Paul has written much of what we know as the New Testament in, in letters known as epistles, he was somewhere else. He wasn't with the church as he wrote it. What Paul brings this church is a message about faith and hope and love. Now, Paul is complicated. Paul is a, a very uh, complex character in the development of the New Testament. Any biblical scholar who has really done their work has wrestled with Paul. And yet, the message that Paul brings again and again and again is about God's grace. So what he offers in this letter is uh, relevant to us today. He's offering encouragement to a church that could really use some encouragement. He's offering for a people who know that there is something ahead of them. And like, let's be honest about Paul, he's like a bit melodramatic, some uh, might call him a bit of a drama queen. So, you know, he's talking about the wrath that is to come. Now, we can relate to this. We can relate to the feeling that there is something dreadful that is coming. And we can relate to the need for faith, for hope, and for love. Casey Fitzgerald wrote a few years ago, back in 2017, that Paul's letter showed his efforts of encouragement to this church at a time when they really needed some help. She says she's, she's not advocating for turning away from pressing issues these days, which certainly give a greater urgency to the following of Christ and to the naming of the places where we need dissent. To the, for, to the participation of, as she calls it, the upside-downing of powers and principalities that draw us further away from God's kingdom. She's speaking of the need that we have for the upside-downing of powers and principalities, those things, those people in power that are drawing us away from God's kingdom or kingdom, as we often say. And she says that while that is one thing that we need to focus on, the other is a holy breath of encouragement, a holy reminder at the core of our efforts is the message of faith, hope, and love. 
She wrote these words three years ago, and yet they, re they resonated with me so much as I encountered them this past week. In this time, in this complicated season of our lives, don't we need that holy movement, that holy breath of encouragement, a reminder that our core efforts, who we fundamentally are, is wrapped up in the message of faith, hope, and love. And that is what Paul brought to the people of the church of Thessalonica. That is what Paul also brings to us. How do we move forward when we, like Paul, get stuck in that doom place? When we, like Paul, get sucked into the drama? When we, like Paul, become drama queens? Because you know we do. The wrath that is yet to come. The fear that we might have of what is going to happen in a few weeks' time. We move with faith and hope and love. Because no matter what happens in an election, no matter what happens in the government or in politics, no matter even what happens with COVID-19, we move forward with faith and hope and love. Even when we struggle, even when we wonder if we maybe aren't faithful enough, even when we, all we can hope for is to get a little bit of hope. Have you ever been under the, the threshold of even having hope? You can't even hope yet. You can only hope that you'll get enough hope. Do you ever feel like you have run out of love? We know these feelings. And yet, again and again, we are reminded of God's grace and God's mercy, and it brings us back to those things, that faith that is real and is here and is solid even when we don't feel it, that hope that might make us feel like we are falling short because we might not remember how to hope and love. Family, we are good at love. Even when we haven't seen each other face to face in a long time, we are so good at love. And we get caught up. Oh, we get so caught up in the, the Facebook arguments and the family members who might not understand or those friends, you know those friends like who you really haven't actually talked to since high school, but somehow they found you on Facebook and you see their posts and, oh, we get so sucked into it. We forget that we are people of faith and hope and love. And this takes us to our gospel message today. In the gospel message, once again, the religious authorities are trying to trick Jesus. So they're asking him a question about the right relation between obedience and the state, obedience to the state and obedience to God. Obedience to empire, to the government, to the ruling group, and obedience to God. This passage is about taxes. Taxes are a, a volatile concept. 
back then and today. In this election season, we hear a lot about taxes. So, so let's talk about taxes for just a moment. First, I'd like to clear the air about something. While, many, while churches are tax-exempt in many ways, churches do pay some tax, especially payroll tax. And pastors do, in fact, pay tax. It's one of the more common questions that I get asked, whether or not we who are clergy have to pay our taxes, and I assure you we do. This is the problem if, if folks get most of their news from Facebook memes we might not understand totally how this whole tax thing works. Periodically, I get hate mail. I know, it's shocking. Who could hate me? I am delighted. But I get hate mail sometimes, not very often anymore, especially in my first years here as pastor. And one of the most common things that people say, in addition to all that, like, can't be gay, can't be trans, you're not a real man, you're not a real pastor, all that nonsense. One of the, the most common things that I hear is that it is unfair for me to get a paycheck and not have to pay taxes. Why is it that, that taxes stir up so much in us? As myself, a tax-paying American, who was educated in public schools and have two kids also educated in public schools, who believes in all kinds of things like that people should have access to health care, even people who can't afford it. I obviously believe in taxes, and yet taxes stir up so much in all of us, and I think it goes back to that thing that we've talked about before, about fairness, about God's view of fairness looking different than the view of fairness that we as human beings put on the issue. I think that there is a basic fear that is part of being human that says, I am scared that someone else might have to, might get to benefit more than me. People are scared of making a sacrifice that might benefit another person. We've seen it a lot lately. We've seen it a lot with masks. We saw it when the news came out many months ago that wearing a mask protects others more than they, it protects the wearer of the mask. And the shift in why, in why masks were important or not important. So once again, Scripture has confronted us with the idea of fairness. And we know that sometimes in God's kingdom, things aren't fair the way that we want to call them fair. Sometimes those who have more are called to share with those who have less. And I'm not saying that it's all handled correctly. This isn't a politics conversation. What I'm saying is that the reason in these pages taxes were contentious and the reason that they are contentious today, and there's this battle around what a church can and should do and say about things like the government, things like taxes, is that it has always been complicated. Is it any wonder that in the time of Jesus, there were complicated questions about 
taxes. In last week's sermon, Reverend Craig talked about boundaries. He said that boundaries are an expression of deep love. He pointed out that Jesus drew a boundary when society went against Christ's call of love. And in this passage, Jesus draws a boundary again. The threat to Jesus is real. If Jesus says one thing, he faces, uh, well, to be honest, what happened to him. He faces the ultimate punishment. If he says another thing, he, he is risking being discredited. And yet here we see what Fitzgerald talked about with the upside-downing, the upside-downing of things, the upside-downing of powers and principalities. Jesus broadens the question beyond politics. And today, in this season of our lives, with so much of the media and our minds and our mental headspace being filled with politics, let's remember that Jesus broadened the question, and maybe it's time for us to broaden the question as well. The question becomes, what is God's image? He invites them, and by extension us, into discernment. We have to choose. We have to discern for ourselves what is of God and what is not of God. It's not a simple thing of saying everything that's not of God is just to be thrown out. Obviously, we live in the real world and we need money to pay for things for our own survival, but it is important to reset and remember and know that what matters most is what is of God. The empire in Jesus' time was oppressing people. The taxation was unfair. The way of life was unfair. People were experiencing extreme oppression. And today, we still see extreme oppression. Power, then as now, begets corruption, wealth, then as now, can make it very hard for people to have compassion. Think about this time in our lives when the billionaires of this world became significantly richer as much of our nation became significantly more poor. Power begets power begets corruption. So the question is, how do we live amongst all of this? How do we know who we are in all of this? Who are we in the face of empire? Things get more and more heated and stressful for Jesus in this time. And things are getting more heated and stressful for all of us in our lives. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I? Who are we as a family in this time? In this time where we are so weary of isolation, in this time where the politics are a mess and so stressful to us, who are we when we feel detached and torn apart? How do we invite God in? Now, 
as I said in the kids' message, it's not that God needs an invitation. God is God, and God is here with us already. But sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we need that holy reminder, that encouragement about faith and hope and love. Sometimes we forget to open our hearts. We forget to listen for God. We forget that God participates in that discernment in our lives. And each time we go a little longer forgetting to invite God in, we get a little bit tougher. And not tough like in the brave kind of way, but tough in the can't be cracked open, can't trust, can't be vulnerable with the people we love kind of way. This time apart is necessary and awful. This time apart means that we are forgetting what it feels like to just be near each other. Let's not forget who we are in this. It's a lot easier to write people off on social media. It's a lot easier to be harsh and cruel as the political stuff boils up. And yet we are brought back again as Jesus tells us to give to the empire what is the empire's and give to God what is God's. Fundamentally, we belong to God. That is who we are. That is what we are. We are God's people. We are God's beloveds. We share together in this communion table knowing that we can be renewed with God's hope, God's faith, and God's love. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed the Metropolitan Community Church of Tampa podcast. If you'd like to view our entire service, please visit our YouTube channel. Today's program was edited, directed, and produced by my wonderful husband, Alan Hiroshaw.